Hello, suffering from various alien ailments after the Area 51 raid, it's the Raging Robot Party Cast with your hosts, Josh and Ryan. That's Ryan over there. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing good. What have you been up to, sir? Uh, I've had a week. Um, had a blowout on the way to work yesterday morning. Um, it sucked, <laughs> but... Uh, at least uh, like my first one while driving's out of the way, so I know how I'll handle it. At least just kind of stayed calm and pulled off, so worked out. Um, just slapped the spare on, was grumpy about it, and proceeded on to work. <laughs> did you figure out what did it? No, I have no idea what did it. I thought that uh, there was a like twig or something stuck in like just the tread part of the tire. I didn't think it was actually a puncture or anything. Um, but it could have been some kind of sharp thing. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a blowout. The last time it, mine ended up going flat, it was a somewhat like a slice of something. Oh yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, you get all manner of nails and sharp things because nobody who has a work truck ever secures their stuff out here. So <laughs> yeah, like I said, I didn't find a nail or anything, and it. it was just like a slice. Because I guess I rode because I rode on low pressure for two days i was gonna oh, go yeah. fix it and then the day i went to go fix it, it ended up going flat so i'm like well <laughs> yeah when our like atmosphere out here changes from warm to cold and i start getting the indicators i'm like okay but if it lasts more than a couple of days or after a quick drive i'm like yeah something is amiss so yeah that was my issue <laughs> it was a colder day so i'm like oh it's probably just that and <laughs> ignored it for a day or two and then it ended up actually going fully flat and i had to change it on my driveway which is an angle because i also live in a street that's an angle so i'm like <laughs> there's no way around this i'm gonna have to break the safety rules of changing tires yeah it's good to know how to do that though so. it is and i managed to get it though as i said it was 10 times pain in the butt because i had to jack it up probably twice as high than normal but yeah because it was at an angle i need to invest in a floor jack i just use the scissor jack that came with my car and it just seems very sketchy same and i think i cracked <laughs> part of that little plastic that's around my tire <laughs> using it and having to jack it up at an angle but. yeah um other than that i mean it's been uneventful ish um been playing some more destiny still trying to finish out the rest of that game since i can now because physically, before I could not, the server would just disconnect me because it wasn't fast enough. Um, don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, mentally feeling better, but I, like uh, we told you last week, we missed a week because I had strep, and I finished all the antibiotics, and I'm like, cool, that's over. And now I'm back to still feeling exhausted all the time, and I've like had a headache all day, and I'm just like, well, I don't want to go not create content for another week, so <laughs> came in to knock it out, but like I couldn't get a hold of the doctor I went to, so I don't know. Uh, maybe R.I.P. me, we'll find out. I doubt it. It could just yeah. be an afterthought of strep that happens sometimes. Yeah, maybe. It was funny that I was like... Uh, all worried because i kept getting headaches i'm like my brain's probably full of tumors and then it's like oh no you have strep you're fine and i'm like okay and now i'm back to this and i'm like my brain's probably full of tumors <laughs> yeah, never know but i doubt it yeah probably not but we'll see if so it was probably aliens <laughs> yep did you end up doing anything uh as far as <laughs> watch anything by anything 
Um, ooh, let me think. I did buy a Destiny Mega Construct set just because I had basically a freebie from selling something on Mercari. So that's in the mail. I uh, still have my Battle Hopper coming from Japan, which is Kamen Rider Black Spike, which I look forward to building. It's like a little mini model kit. Hopefully it'll look good with the figure. Um, still haven't been able to get the updated version of that figure, but maybe it'll come to me someday. Um, other than that, not really. Just trying not to buy a whole lot of stuff right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Really all I've been doing is I picked back up on one of my three spinning shows, or four spinning shows that I have at a time, so I picked back up on Lucifer. And nice. Slowly going through his third season. Yeah, we've just been watching a lot of trashy reality TV, as we do. Um, 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After wrapped, and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like... And I I'm, saw the one tweet that's saying 90 Day Fiance is just basically like, if I'm horny if you don't get home right now, yes. I'm ice on you. <laughs> I sent that to Destiny this morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, the show's entertaining, but I'm just like, I'm glad I hopefully never see any of this cast ever again, <laughs> because I'm sick of every one of them, except for the ones that got their own spinoff show, and when I think about it, I don't think I want to watch that, but I am looking forward to the next season coming up next weekend, because there's a woman on it who is a private investigator for relationships. Okay. Think about that for a minute. In the context of this show... And know that she sent her partner, uh, who lives overseas, who she's obviously hoping to marry, uh, heavily edited photos of herself. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's an episode of Catfish, then. Yeah, I'm just like, you're a private investigator for relationships, and this seems very hypocritical. <laughs> well, it's kind of like how many nutritionists are actually out of weight and don't follow their own advice. Yeah, that's true. Now, what even Catfish is a nutritionist? used to do a lot. It was Catfish was one of mine, and then for a little bit, uh, Amish Mafia was one of mine. Were they actually doing crime on that show? Yes and no. <laughs> like, when you watch the show, what they were made more sense. Okay. And so they were a part of the original, like, the original intention of the Mafia, okay. which is protecting more things. And so, like, when they did crimes and things, it meant that... <laughs> They hosted house parties for the kids that had washing right. machines that they could wash their clothes that they're not supposed to own in. So <laughs> and they had computers and internet. It's more that they're the underground version of things, of illicit items for the actual yeah, Amish. Like, they would show other things like, uh, like if someone was fake selling, uh, pretending to be Amish, selling stuff on the side of the road, like supposedly oh, okay. they like ran through the guy's fruit stand and things like that. <laughs> like the Amish inspectors. Yeah, like the Amish inspectors and things like hey, that. Is that a phone? What the hell? <laughs> and yeah, there are other things that where it made a whole lot more sense where it is, we're just there because kids are going to act out and we let them act out and we don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't the Amish have that thing where they just let their teenage kids go do stuff for a while? Rumspringa. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Well, that answers that question. <laughs> but yeah, and then... I, um, I did Catfish. I saw the original documentary. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember thinking the weird thing about it, though, was its trailer showed it basically as a horror film. <laughs> and then you watch the documentary, and it's like, oh, 
this is nothing like a horror film. And then uh, nice. and a lot of great irony, Morgan Spurlock was the one that called it the greatest fake documentary he ever saw. <laughs> He's the one that did Super Size Me. Oh, uh, yeah. And if you ever watch, there's a follow-up documentary called Fathead. A stand-up <laughs> comic that, that basically showed how much bullcrap Super Size Me was. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, one of the guys in the last season of 90 Day, basically, he just seems like he has no job where he is, and this girl's family has, like, invested all this money in him to open a beauty shop in Morocco and all this stuff, <laughs> and every time, like, she wants to go visit him, there's, like, some excuse as to why that can't happen and all this stuff, and so they ask him, like, on the you know, after season until all like, what are you doing for a living right now? And he goes, oh, I'm fishing. I'm like, yeah, I bet you're fishing <laughs> for a very certain type of fish of the yeah. cat variety. <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh, Bar Rescue. There's an episode of Bar Rescue where the whole entire time they were just like, the dad needs to retire and let the daughter take over the bar and he needs to go fishing down in Florida. Okay. And that's how they keep saying it. It's just, <laughs> I'm going to go fishing down in Florida. Dad, it's time for you to go fishing down in Florida. And I'm like, you're going to euthanize your dad, aren't you? <laughs> this whole entire time. And, like, it does eventually end with Dad giving up control and going down to Florida. And, they like, they come down to the daughter. And she's like, yep, he's fishing down in Florida. And it's like, there's an actual possibility that I think you killed your father. And <laughs> that he's fishing down in Florida. <laughs> That Bar Rescue guy has a show on that network now called Marriage Rescue. Yeah. And every time I watch it, I just think that the couple should be talking to him. And he just goes, I mostly fix bars and restaurants. I don't know how to fix this. That's what I think. Like, whenever I saw that, I'm like, all right, you talked about once about your divorce and your second wife. But beyond that, yeah, it's not a lot in there. Yeah. Between fixing a bar and fixing a marriage. Yeah. I am about to... Uh, if she'll let me, I'm about to start watching, I'm sure she would, start watching uh, Bachelor in Paradise with Destiny because I initially thought that was the dumbest thing ever. And then I watch it and I'm like, this is wrestling. Is it? <laughs> it is 110% just wrestling. Did you ever watch Glow? Yes. I do enjoy the scene in the first season where they take Betty Lipson to character to uh, the wrestling show. Yeah. And she comes to realize that it's a soap opera. Yep. That's all it is. It's it's just a soap opera that's physical. Yeah. She finally understands wrestling. Mm-hmm. No, that show, like, Bachelor in Paradise, it's basically The Bachelor, but a battle royale. And, like, everybody has to try to hook up with everybody, or if you aren't in a couple or whatever, by yeah. the end of a week, like, you're out. So, um, but there's, like, clear heels and faces on it and all this. And I'm like... This, yeah, this is just wrestling. I I think I like this. Yeah. I can understand this now. Um, ironically, Kenny King, actual wrestler, has been on that show. <laughs> yeah. And he was also on, I think, a couple of seasons of The Bachelorette. So I mean... He just okay. always leaves because he's like, I have to go take care of my daughter, a.k.a. I have to go wrestle. <laughs> well, I mean, The Miz famously coming off of Road Rules and everyone yeah. hating it because of everyone hating him because of it in the backstage and so he's very proud to be part of the yeah, very last generation that was hazed. <laughs> this one was the, the other way around because he's 
always been a wrestler first and now he's like oh i'm just gonna go be on this reality show real quick bye yeah i mean misses which it makes sense he's always the most profitable which is why he's the one that got the most marine movies well i mean that's kenny's thing is he was always a wrestler first as far as i knew like he's been an indie guy forever and now he's like oh hey i'm on the bachelorette i'm like what are you doing here (laughs) but yeah Miz and misses uh actually not that bad of a show I've heard. It's very scripted from what I can tell, but it's very entertaining. His mom is, um, Maurice's mom, rather, is hilarious. Yeah. I hear that a lot, and that's the thing. It's a lot of the girls at work, when I talk to them, their main knowledge is uh, Total Diva and Ms. and Mrs. Yeah. So, like, yeah, what John Diva's, Cena proposed to Nikki, a lot of fans. was a big thing. Yeah. Um, Sadly, it didn't work out, but... I, I enjoyed John Cena, the character on Total Divas. Yeah. Just as an uncomfortable man in a suit, does not seem like who he should be. Having a bunch of house rules, some are fake, some are real. I'm just like, John, where's where's the Nintendo room? I know you got it. <laughs> I'm aware of your collection. Where is it? Did you listen to that uh, Chris Jericho with Daniel Bryan where he's like, some of the rules were real, some of the rules are fake? I don't know if I did or not. I may have, but it may have been a while things, ago. Like the cleaning, the cleanliness is the biggest issue because him and Bree will like. That's oh yeah. Say, like he'll walk in and out of strip gardening barefoot <laughs> and just clean it up later and see how like was stripped on the cleaning. <laughs> yeah, I mean that part I can imagine, but some of the other stuff where he just seems like a stuffy weirdo, I'm just yeah. like, what? Man, I I got very excited about uh, finding the image of that other Masters of the Universe WWE figure of Cena, except he's blue, so he's the faker version of Cena. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And he's classic, actual Cena everyone likes, because he's got the Chain King logo in his brass knucks. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> the reason that Cena got popular in the first place, the one that popped up at Mania. Yeah. I'm just like... Why can't you just still do that? That'd be great, but now he's... I will he's... say, I did get the biggest pop out of everyone at my party. <laughs> it was the tag team match where all three one jumped in the ring at the same time to break up a pin, and <laughs> John Cena coming out in a rapper because none of them had ever seen that before. Yeah. Good times. It is. So, speaking of television... This is a segue. It is. <laughs> I definitely thought it would be an interesting idea to talk about some of our favorite stuff from television, some of our favorite episodes. Yeah. We opened with X-Files, so we can start with that. What do you think your favorite is? Oof. I would have to say the Squeeze and Tombs. They're not necessarily a two-parter, it's just he comes back later. Yeah. But I gotta have that one on the list from season one. Um, very memorable character. Actual real life creep portraying him. <laughs> um, I won't name his name because I don't want to be sued, <laughs> but uh he's been on some reality shows himself. He's he's a strange one. Um Yeah, it was one of the first things I remember even as being a little bit of an older kid that still kind of spooked me and having an immediate distrust of air vents for a while. <laughs> So, Toons, for those of you who don't know, is a monster that he can fit himself in the tight things. Yeah, he can... And uh, Vince Gilligan's first episode that he wrote with Tony Shalhoub was The Shadow. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
he's one of the very first people to start going back in lore, and so when they come across a locked door murder, the first thing Scully does is she walks over and looks down at the air duct, and I'm like, oh, that's such a cool little touch. Yeah. And the person asks, what are you doing? And she goes, nothing, I'm just checking the air duct. No one can fit in there. And Mulder's like, eh, and walks away. <laughs> I mean, that was a really cool touch. Uh, yeah, they're both cool. Uh, the very first Man with Powers episode. Yeah, series, I guess so. Eventually becomes one of its staples. Yeah, um, just he's apparently lived for a very long time because he like hibernates. He has to eat people's livers, I think, because it's got some sort of protein he needs. Five livers or like twelve livers. At yeah, time. <laughs> and uh, he's basically like a cockroach man. Yeah. <laughs> They show him at the end of Stratus first, right? Or it uh, it's squeeze and then tombs. Squeeze, squeeze for me. <laughs> he makes his nest out of like newspaper nowadays. Yeah, like. And they show him weird making it in his thing. cell, and it's like, should shouldn't y'all stop? <laughs> that seems like behavior that you wouldn't like. From what I understand, uh, the part where he is like nude and slimy, yeah. and chasing them down. Um, I think there is, from what I recall, some legitimate heat <laughs> between him and David Duchovny because I think he went too far into method and was just being really off and weird and, like, no one actually wanted to touch him and all that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Also, I have no difficulty in believing he just showed up to set that day and that was not makeup. <laughs> uh, did you ever hear the story of Michael Bublé? Um, no. <laughs> He's, uh a random appearance in one of the episodes. Okay. Uh, the episode where they age on the boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the soldiers in a flashback, and apparently he got kicked off a set for stealing a hot dog from David Duchovny's table. Well, yeah, you don't steal from David Duchovny. <laughs> it's just one of these random things that... <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's, I guess, why he's not in more of the episode. Maybe he was meant to be. But... What the hell, man? You don't steal a hot dog off Dave Duchovny's. It's not very in the Christmas spirit of you. or whatever. <laughs> no, it's not. Other uh, than that, um, I guess the host. It's another Monster of the Week episode, but it's a good one. With the fluke man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> don't Google him late at night. <laughs> no, fluke man's really cool to see. I uh, When I originally rewatched it, I told Josh... I like one of the things they try and do is take Fluke Man to an asylum. Because <laughs> he's just like, what are we supposed to do? Take him to a zoo? And it's like, yes, that's clearly a creature <laughs> shaped like a man. <laughs> just because a dolphin's the rough same size as a man, you don't take a dolphin to a psychiatrist to see if it can speak. <laughs> Though wasn't there something like Fluke Man was a transformed person? Yes, um, I always interpreted that as Fluke Man was the guy who went into the sewage thing in that submarine, okay. and probably was irradiated because it's a nuclear submarine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never quite ever made the connection between the actual fluke things that he would spit up and the actual thing itself. I didn't understand the relationship there, other than to just be weird body horror. But um, yeah. <laughs> I think Fluke Man is also, like, the very first remembered monster of the week out of most of them. Yeah. The very first one is, I think, the Caveman, which is, like, episode three or four. Mm-hmm. But then they find there, and there's nothing Caveman about it somehow. 
uh, Flukeman returns in the X-Files comic series. And there's a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. As does something later, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, for me, it's one of the, like, one of the best things is the source of comedy that the show does so well in some of its storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think the best episode for that and the episode where it comes across strongest is, I hope I get this title right, Jose Chung from Outer Space. Or Jose Chung yeah. from Outer Space. Yeah, you got it right. Okay, yeah. So if you've never seen this, it's basically a small, like, clip show episode that goes back and forth between Scully talking to an author. Okay. And, uh, them flashing back to the episode and showing random things and random references throughout the whole entire thing. So it opens with an alien induction by the Greys. Yeah, some of it's done through, like, an unreliable narrator style. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I know the episode. It so, took me a while because sometimes I remember titles, but not necessarily what happened in them. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it opens on them coming down, and then uh, the Greys coming to abduct someone, and then another alien appears next to the Greys <laughs> and starts freaking out the Greys. And then I think you literally just hear one of the words go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so it plays out to these random mysteries. And it's one of the first episodes where I think we see legitimate men in black pop up. Yeah. As was the style at the time. <laughs> yes. Uh, very famously, uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, because the writer of that episode was a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Also, he's in Predator. He is. And... Uh, I don't want to spoil the second one, but the second one is also a very good uh, <laughs> call or guest star random appearance of someone, and they get oh, okay. random things in there. So like, uh, they both reference the potato uh, carving your mashed potatoes into the mountain. Oh, from. Um... Hold on, it's not 2001. It's Close Encounters of the, the Third, third kind. kind. Yeah, yeah, Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Carving His Potatoes. And they reference Pie from... Uh, American Pie. No, uh, <laughs> Twin Peaks. Okay. And so they get Twin Peaks, man, it's tossed in there. And like the same thing where it shows Mulder interviewing a guy, and the guy there in the whole entire interview is, of course, carving the mashed potatoes into the mountain like they did in third. And then... Later, she tells a different tale. The guy at the diner tells a tale that Muller comes in and eats a whole entire pie, but he keeps ordering it piece by piece. So if he asks a question, orders a pie, and then eats a piece, and then asks another question, orders another pie, and eats another piece. Fairness, that does seem on brand. Yeah, and it's just it's one of the cool things that the show can show that it can have a fun little narrative because this is also a conspiracy episode. That's about whether or not the U.S. government is kidnapping people looking like greys hmm. and then doing psychological experiments on them and then dropping them back home. So some of the grey abductions may be real, some of the grey abductions may be fake, and then they got hit by a real alien. And it has like another crazy guy that uh, ends up like finding his own religion because the other alien supposedly talks to that guy after Jesse the Body of Terror threatens him. This was a fun episode. It was. I think that's a shot, at, and I believe it's a shot at Scientology when they're yeah. doing that whole entire thing. But it's, of course, one of the classic episodes that sits atop so many of the top five. 
oh, yeah. list that you read and see that is somewhere up near top <laughs> ten, if not number one in a lot. Uh, I think to get into another sort of creature episode to go for another fun one, uh, one of the course one of the most famous episodes of the show, Home. All right. It's not the direction I thought you were going in, but okay. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue it's a bit less of a funny episode, but... Yeah, it was, it's uh, it was banned from TV for a while. <laughs> it was. Uh, I tell the story that it is one of the two things that have ever actually physically made me pick up my food and just throw it away. <laughs> I started watching it, the baby popped up, and it just kept showing images of the baby and the food I was eating. I just physically walked over and threw it away, because... Yeah. Uh, it's semi-body-horror-based, semi-everything-based. Roll your mama out from under the bed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, supposedly, it's a misremembered story of uh, Charlie Chaplin told. Yeah, I remember that. That he went to a minor town, and he always found the cheapest place to stay because they didn't pay him enough. And so he was staying at a family's hotel, and... One of the miners asked him, hey, you think this guy could make it in the circus? Claps his head, and a guy with no arms and very short leg comes out and just starts hopping around. And he's just like, he's the human frog, you think you can make it in a circus? And Chaplin just sort of gave him the name of name and numbers of a few circuses they could call to try and get into. And Chaplin oh. said it was one of the most disturbing things. And That was uh, nice of him. Yeah, the writer misremembered it as... Uh, <laughs> That's a whole lot of additional details he misremembered. Well, he misremembered it as the person had no arms and legs at all. Ah. And so that's why, yeah, it's the story of a baby found with literally every disease, pretty much, I think Scully says. Yeah, just about deformities and all that. Deformities. And then it turns into a research of the Peacock family, who have just literally practiced incest so long that they're now supervillains. Yeah, I think this was one of the earliest episodes I showed my wife. <laughs> I don't know if she's forgiven me for that or not. <laughs> like I said, it is a very disturbing episode. A very like, I remember it was scary. A... It has one of the most random references in it. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember when they have to get the peacocks out of the house, mm-hmm. and they start pushing the sheep out. And so in the middle of this, like, semi-very body horror, very normal horror, very superhero-esque thing, or supervillain-esque, they're stronger, faster than normal people thing, she literally, uh, they're pushing sheep out, and he goes, how do we do this? And Scully replies, ba-ram-oo, ba-ram-oo. And it's because my niece keeps watching it on her, has been watching Babe on her pee. <laughs> I'm like... In the this episode, it's just the most random joke for y'all to throw out after <laughs> three different people have probably died at this point in time. Yeah, that was a one of the event TV things I remember because they hyped up the fact that they were going to show one that they couldn't previously but had somehow recently gotten cleared. And they did it like with each coming back from commercial break. The following episode may contain disturbing content and all that. Yeah, like I said, uh, Sean once and then... It was banned for quite a while. Yeah, I think it did make it eventually onto FX syndication. Yeah, it probably gets. I think it gets run on BBC. I think I flipped it on once to BBC America, and that's yeah. on because BBC America runs random shows like that sometimes. Yeah, that's as I know it, the channel that shows the X Files and uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, sure. and I'm not sure why. 
and Doctor Who, but... <laughs> <laughs> that one would make sense, at least. <laughs> yeah, we can get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, as far as funny episodes, I would have to put X-Cops on the list. X-Cops is very good. Uh, a later season episode, which is why I, I don't think a lot of people remember it. Yeah, it's literally one of the most ambitious TV crossovers of all time. Because it's the X-Files happening within an episode of Cops. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I like how they don't actually also have a monster in that. Yeah, it's all like psychosomatic, I think. Well, the monster is fear itself. Oh. And so the monster <laughs> appears as whatever you fear. Extreme Ghostbusters did this. Yes. <laughs> And so, yeah, like, the psychosomatic comes, like, the one girl, like, automatically gets sick because she's afraid the body's sick. Yeah, she gets hantavirus or something. Yeah, hantavirus, because Scully's like, she says it offhandedly, and the aide freaks out. Does anyone get that anymore? I feel like that was a thing in the 90s, and I've never heard of anybody getting that since. It it may be something that pops up every so often, kind of like Ebola. Maybe nobody's out there touching rat poop anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are some unflattering stereotypes in the episode, but um, I don't necessarily think they're being portrayed negatively so much as it's being per- portrayed for comedy, and maybe that's a little bit uncomfortable. But yeah. still, those characters are fantastic and fun to watch. Um, it's just a really, like, ambitiously thought out episode to have something that we're literally filming as real but is also clearly a tv show um i kind of wish they did more with that format and just had like other things happening during episodes of cops it would definitely be a fun one uh chris carter if you give me a second gets one uh to talk about it ice uh, is this the one where they melt this shit and it's like got some crazy virus or disease you mean in it? The thing, because it, it's the thing. But yes, yeah. <laughs> I think they literally start blood testing. They lock it like for just whatever reason. They randomly just have the thing in the middle of the first season of the X Files. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. Maybe they were stretched thin on other stuff that they could do because they maybe didn't expect to get ordered for a full season. Probably. Uh, I have so many good memories of all of those first season episodes, but they do kind of run together for me after a bit, and that's largely because that was one of the first DVD sets I ever had, and I had the version one of it, which was a brick. (laughs) But (laughs) um, compared to the thin cases they do for him now but yeah it was good times it's always good to get to the Erlenmeyer flask on that one uh yeah so Chris Carter himself if I can find it gets a full gets some cool ones uh the Goldberg variation yeah of the course bl- guest starring Bill Goldberg yeah now the story of the luckiest man alive uh why am I not remembering this? <laughs> the guy gets tossed off the building. Lucky day for him. Uh, and uh, lands on the pile of laundry below. After okay. The laundry chute opens up. Okay, I am remembering the events at least. Yeah, it's literally the story of a man so lucky, but the issue is every single time he's lucky, someone else isn't. Okay. And so 
He literally walks away from plane crash, I think, and everyone else dies. Oh, this is season seven. Mm-hmm. 1999. So it's a later season episode. I love how... <laughs> Short they summarize it. Mulder and Scully are mystified when they investigate a man with unusually good luck. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Another Chris Carter classic, Rain King. Let's see. Do I remember this one? Yes, the dancing. The rain dance. Maybe. Season six. Does that look a like a rain mercenary. dance? Is out there like, doing a boogie out in the middle of the field? This is quite a description. When Mulder and Scully investigate a mercenary rainmaker in a drought-stricken town, they encounter a a force more powerful than the weather. All right. (laughs) I'm trying to remember the name of the the black and white episode he did. The Great Mutato, I think. Yeah, The Great Mutato, which is a take on Frankenstein... It's quite a good episode. <laughs> Randomly has Cher in there. You know what? Um, this is the postmodern Prometheus, that's but the great Mutato is the monster in it. Yeah. Postmodern Prometheus, that's the one I'm thinking yeah. of. I could remember. Thank you. Another good Chris Carter one. Uh, a giant monster seems to be going around impregnating girls. <laughs> Dang it, Godzilla. Yes. No, it's another one. I don't want to give too much of a way if you've never seen it. It's really good. Uh, I get why he used the black and white to be like the old Frankenstein movies, but it is probably one of the things about the episode that is just... This is a bit over-pretentious at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's Chris Carter. He's bottling his own farts and sniffing them by this point in the yeah. series. <laughs> um. I want to say, like, I am thankful to Chris Carter for making the X-Files. I also wish he had, would have had no involvement with the rest of the X-Files. Yeah. <laughs> we said before, Chris Carter is a very interesting person yeah. that kind of keeps going and he tells stories and then... He seems like a real dick, to yeah. be honest. He also, he's another one, like uh, Damian Lindelof, that kind of learned the lesson of people don't like endings. People want questions. And, uh, yeah, no. Story. <laughs> That's what they want. They don't want answers. <laughs> and I'm like, that, like, watching X-Files, that is clearly one of the most frustrating things about it, is you never get full answers. There's always something random that happens in the end. Yeah, like, if, I assume we're never going to see them again, but... If that's just them living on the lamb, taking care of their weird son, that's fine. That's an yeah. ending. <laughs> that's an ending, and good for them that he actually did that instead of just... <laughs> Blowing up the cigarette-smoking man with a helicopter again? Yeah, or just doing what they did with the last one, where it's just a uh... <laughs> random UFO shot. We're going to end on a cliffhanger, even though we don't have another series order, because, as Chris Carter said, having a physical ending to the show doesn't seem like a very X-Files thing to do. Oh. I thought that them taking care of their weird alien son was... Yeah, the very first season 9 um, or season 10. Yeah, I'm thinking the end of season 10 when they just sort of escape. <laughs> Is it season... Because I know 9 ends that way with the tractor beam coming down. 
Well, yeah. Nine's the original. So, Nine's the original first pilot, which was that clip show thing. Yeah. Ten's the reboot, and remember, it ends with Mulder dying and being sick. Okay, I'm thinking about season 11 and forgot that we got to an 11. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. about season 11. And, to say, uh, if we want to jump forward that far ahead, season 10 does, is probably has the only episode that was worth it of the reboot. Yeah. There were some good ones. There were, but uh, Mulder and Scully fight a werebeast. That one was great. Which is, yeah, one of the best episodes of the series that I've seen so far. And I'm like, this is why The X-Files is good. An episode like this. There's a good one where he trips on drugs and sees the lone gunman again. Yes, it's good, <laughs> but it's really inappropriate <laughs> that scene happens. Because the rest of that episode is about a terrorist attack. Yeah. And whether or not this guy is a terrorist. And they're having this deep philosophical discussion about terrorists and that he trips on drugs and see the lone gunman because I've never seen creators regret killing characters so much and they regret killing the lone gunman. Yeah, they came back in the comics and it was said that those comics are considered canon, but then all of a sudden <laughs> season 10 happens for real and nope, they're still dead. So basically they had a secret base literally under Arlington Cemetery. <laughs> Okay. Which is where they were buried, so... Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. I wish that they were, but who knows. <laughs> yeah. In my mind, they're fine. You're a spin-off show fail. What else are you going to do but angrily kill the characters for no apparent <laughs> reason because your spin-off show failed? The, the show that predicted 9-11. <laughs> Along with George Carlin. Weeks before, even. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, along with George Carlin. But... Yeah. Have you ever watched that special? I have yet to watch Probably. it. Probably. I watched a lot of comedy specials back in my day, but... Well, no, it only came out four or five years ago. Oh, okay. straight up says... He 100% predicts 9-11. Hmm. He's like, I like watching terrorist events and watching it like it's almost like a sports team thing. <laughs> where it's two teams fighting each other. And one of these days, the CIA is going to take like a saw mid-lot and blow up the Twin Towers. And he actually says that in Dang. the special. And it ended up getting hidden for so many years yeah i can that. see why in that case and it was probably done shortly beforehand too yeah if i had to guess about it because he was still alive for that yeah huh. well okay <laughs> yeah there are a lot of good with the x-files that there are it's one of my favorite shows ever and even i will admit they're not all good <laughs> but when it's good it's good and you know it um i think some of the first mcfarland toys i ever had were the x-files movie ones i had okay. all of them but the ones in their arctic coats because i did not feel that necessary <laughs> i can see that so what do you think the best conspiracy one is though uh, i just have to give it to any of the ones involving the black oil and the movie about the black oil <laughs> Which, did you see it yet or not? Because not one yet. day I'll remember to bring the DVD. <laughs> You're good so far. Yeah, the black oil, and that does, unfortunately, also end before the movie. gets one of the most frustrating things where they finally get the evidence of the black oil, and then that Russian agent just blows it up. Yeah. And that, I think, is like one of the biggest, most frustrating <laughs> ones of the 
yeah, ending, they're... and you're not going to get any true answers along with, uh, what happened to Mulder's sister, actually? <laughs> you'll never know. We'll give you a really crappy answer, but you'll <laughs> never know. In a really terrible episode, but... Yeah. I'm still mad that my Mega Constructs heroes are on super back order that I pre-ordered on Amazon because I really want that Mulder and Grey Alien figure. It may still come, but it'll be in September or October. <laughs> yeah, it unfortunately happens when you pre-order things. That's always the weird thing. I pre-order it to get it on the day, first day, but if you don't pay for one-day shipping, then you ain't going to get it on day one. Yeah. I learned that now. Any other ones that you can think of? Uh, the one where Mulder and Doggett are on the oil... Not a tanker, but the oil rig is actually really good for a late season one. Okay. Um, it's pretty much just an action movie with them. <laughs> it's, yeah, a bit far. I'm on the very last episode of season eight. Yep. I still need to watch it and decide, like, to... Because I know a lot of people are... There are fans out there that just say, just stop. And don't yeah. bother with the Doggett and Scully Air and the Doggett and whatever her name Reyes. is. Reyes. Air. Who's apparently evil. <laughs> yeah. Well, she gets turned evil because I guess they wanted her cameo in that <laughs> season. Yeah. yeah. You do get Mulder's ex-girlfriend who's evil slash gets good and gets murdered <laughs> eventually in the series. Though, to say it, just to bring it up real quick, uh, Fire. So season one, I recall Fire. Yeah. Um... It's just the very first time we see one of Mulder's exes. It is called... No, Fire. I had it right the first time. I do like the one where the uh, elevator or the building AI thing that, like, kills you. Yeah. <laughs> that one was dumb, but I never liked it when it was in reruns, but it's, like, it sticks out as memorable, so it must not have been that bad. Well, it's one of the few times that they do get a chance to start going down into... Uh, the AI, which they do touch on three or four episodes. Yeah. As you said, almost all those episodes are kind of universally terrible. Yeah. But FPS. FPS. And <laughs> the other one where we get, like, legit semi-actual body horror. Hmm. There's so much. Which one is it? Uh, the one where they're riding around with a girl in the car. And, like, Mulder goes into the... It's one of the other ones that deals with the AI where Mulder crawls into the trailer and gets locked in. It's not coming to my mind. Yeah, and they had to upload themselves into the system. But no, like, Mulder gets locked in and gets a VR set put over him. And then it shows, like, the VR monster, like, cut off one of his legs. Was this written by William Gibson, or was that a different one? It may be that one. I can't remember which part can't remember quite which one it is, but uh, Fire, which has one of the most interesting guest stars to me. Okay. The youngest Mark Shepard I've ever seen. Oh, okay. So it's his third, like on IMDb, it's his third role. Nice. And I didn't actually recognize him. Yeah, there's it a lot of uh, early before they were stars in the series. You get to see uh, Brian Cranston in it. For yeah, one. Brian Cranston Drive. Uh, Lucy Liu pops up in. Actually, that was written by 
Breaking Bad creator later, Vince Gilligan. Yeah. He's uh, a... Lucy Liu pops up in an episode that, again, is not great. <laughs> it's one of the worst villain wins episodes in the series. <laughs> then uh, Ryan Reynolds pops up as a murder victim. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the weird one about astrono- astronomy. Uh, Jack Black is in there with a guy that can control lightning. That one does kind of come to it's, mind. Uh, Jack Black and uh, what's his name? That's unfortunately typecast as stoners now. Had the show with Seth Green. Well, Seth Green's also in it. Yeah, Seth Green is <laughs> in the second episode. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot of good ones in there. You can see the star of the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift as an actual child in the X-Files movie. <laughs> If for some reason you want to, he's the kid who gets overtaken by the black oil. Okay. Yeah, he has yet to pop back up. Maybe he's in the sculpt. Maybe he's in the new one. He did appear in either seven or eight, so it's possible. I mean, it was the smallest of cameos. Reminds me a lot of. the twins that keep popping up, but I haven't actually seen that movie. So, like, when I went to go see Fate of the Furious, I would start laughing when they showed up. And I'm like, cool. That's <laughs> like when that one girl was murdered. Cool. <laughs> All right. All right. I don't know who your character is. Yeah. Well, look forward to not seeing John Cena in Fast and Furious 9. <laughs> Did he drop out? Is he still? Oh, yeah. No, he'll be there. He'll be there. But you won't but. see him. Yep. This is their response to this is why you did Hobbs and Shaw we're gonna get John Cena for some odd reason. It's been Diesel's best response to that. <laughs> so you get to see it thrice in a lifetime, I guess. But Yeah, mild spoilers. Uh Hobbs and Shaw, probably the last time you'll see that character. <laughs> probably. Um Oh, did you get a chance to see it? Not yet, but I know that detail at the very least. Okay. <laughs> uh I don't even know if I want to see it or not, to be honest with you. I just watched a review of it. and I'm just kind of like, this looks dumb in a good way, but I just don't know if I have the energy for it right now. That's exactly what the review I watched basically said is, do you want to watch an old school 80s action movie, kind of? Yeah. Then you can see Hobbs and Shaw. It's a semi-buddy cop film, which there aren't a lot of nowadays, which does oh. feel kind of weird, I guess. That's very true. They this week have said that Fast and Furious may go to space. So. And they've said that many times. The meme is becoming real. Him just drifting a rocket. I still think my favorite is the American Dad thing. Yes. Oh, <laughs> most of the script is just hardcore gay porn. porn yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, homosexual tension has always been at the heart of the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> And it just shows the opening of like him shooting the bullet and racing the bullet around. <laughs> that was a good episode. That was. <laughs> we cut out all the hardcore gay porn except for France. Yeah. They get to see it all. <laughs> Did I miss any gay porn? Tons. But the France cuts like three hours long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the extra hour, all sex. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. I am tapped out on the X-Files. We're good, and I'm about to say, to shift gears here a little bit, uh, 
Fast and Furious joke. Um, we can only upshift. Yes. We don't learn how to downshift until the third. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to, yeah, talk about another sci-fi show, and this is more my cup of tea. Uh, I think I said it and brought it up once or twice, but I'm a huge Whovian. Yes. And so for those that don't know what that means, it means I'm a big fan of the Doctor Who. Doctor Whom? <laughs> yes, Doctor Who. <laughs> that is the question, though. What is the question? No, uh, Doctor Who, a long-running sci-fi series from Britain, uh, started shortly after World War II. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it predates us. <laughs> it does. It predates us after a while. Uh, started after World War II, originally written as a semi-educational show. Okay. To run. I could see that. Uh, yeah. The very first season is definitely different. Uh, there's a lot of good... Like we said, a lot of bad in the show. Uh, I'm going to stick to only what I know, which is the modern show. So I start at Chris. All right. Uh, Matt is my doctor, being the one that I started under. He's the one that I watched the first season of. <laughs> I was about to ask. He's the one with the hair, right? Yes. Okay, I know that one. <laughs> uh, well, actually, you may be referring to David Tennant, the one with the hair. But Matt Hair, Smith is bow tie. The one. Yes, that's Matt. Okay. <laughs> Tenet's the one that has like the crazy stand-up hair. Nah, uh, don't know that one. Uh, Crystal Eccleston. Uh, oh, Destro. Yeah, Destro. <laughs> he only makes it one season. Why? We never actually know. Because he gets He's us. the only one to ever leave Doctor Who on bad terms. Quote got quote, his like. head stuck in an iron mask. <laughs> yep. They've never talked about why Chris left the show. And Chris has been... Silent and like for the 50th anniversary, like refused to return to the hmm. show. Now I kind of want to know what happened and who peed in a cereal on set. Yeah, and that's the thing is <laughs> like their refusal to come back for the 50th episode or the 50th anniversary episode and him just being like, it's a different show than when I was there. It's like it's a different show than when David was there, but David still showed up. So yeah, it's clear that something happened and you're clearly not happy with Doctor Who anymore. Um, question. Yes. Did this run on Nickelodeon or Disney for a while? It may have. Because I feel like I remember that happening in the mid-aughts, and I wasn't sure if I was fever-dreaming that or what. It may have been like a Nick and Nate <laughs> thing that they used to run. I remember like midday almost one weekend, and I was like, what's this doing here? It may have been later than the mid-aughts. But yeah. Pretty much the only... Doctor Who thing I know at length are Daleks are a thing. That's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, Disney XD announced that they, okay. that they started showing my XD after a while. Huh. Uh, things just kind of come and go on that channel. Said, <laughs> yeah. A lot of things do. Uh, you know, started around World War II. Uh, big force. No emotions. Likes to march a lot, kind of talks with a German accent. Oh, interesting. Yes. I would not have pegged them as Nazis. <laughs> Neither would I. It was actually uh, Craig Ferguson, because he's a big fan of the show, doing, uh, uh, to always get some controversy in here, some weirdest podcast, because I will say, like, gotta have a controversy in here. 
Chris Hardwick is the reason that I started watching because I listened to the Nerdist podcast so much. How dare you? <laughs> like I said, that was a well before everything, but... Oh, is there some kind of bad thing with them? Um, he may have, may not have a toxic relationship with one of his girlfriends. Oh, okay, okay. We yeah. can talk about it off camera. No, I didn't... I literally didn't know, so I was like, wait, yeah. are they... This is a cancellation I was not aware of, but... Okay, carry on. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we can talk about it off camera. It's more <laughs> interesting one of the stories. But, yeah, uh, so... Yeah, the Daleks were originally designed to be Nazis. I mean, I All can... they did is exterminate and yeah. kill. And uh, one of the showrunners see... has often talked about, you know, the importance of the Doctor and your heroes. The Doctor doesn't carry a gun. Yeah, I can see, like, a German tank influence in how they're built. Yeah. Well, they're built... Because uh, the original episodes, as I said, were one, uh, educational, and two, they were a stage show that was recorded, basically. Oh, they were okay. They're teledramas. Okay. They weren't as it produced, and so they're built out of whatever you have, so yes. No wonder that was on PBS for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it, that is, yes, a legitimately a plunger, and yes, that is legitimately an egg beater for his arm. Because <laughs> that's what they had at the time, and... It has since been retconned in probably Chris's best episode, actually, referred to with Dalek, that they can now fly. They originally couldn't. <laughs> so, like, one of the original strategies against Dalek was just run up a flight of stairs because they couldn't follow you up a flight of stairs. <laughs> yeah, that would that would check out. Uh, yeah, uh, to get into Chris's probably, probably Chris's best I'm gonna episode. I'm going to pull up something I'm remembering. Please carry on. <laughs> uh, Dalek. Uh, Chris gets captured by the British government. He starts by putting his... And he is locked in the room because the British government has also captured a Dalek. It is the last Dalek. It is... Chris is the last of the Time Lords at this point in time because the Time War happened. And the Time War... That sounds bad. Yes. <laughs> supposedly wiped out the Time Lords. Supposedly wiped out the Daleks done by the doctor himself as one final sacrifice of he can't say to say the universe he has to sacrifice a bull and so dalek is a fantastic episode of chris basically coming to terms with that and facing off against an original dalek except it can fly uh they go through quite a few changes through the years eventually yeah, I mean, there's been enough seasons for them to do that, for sure. Yeah, they get skinnier bodies. Uh, we get a human Dalek at one point in time. I remember and that. That is touching. Even not watching it, it's somehow filtered down to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, Andrew Garfield's actually in that episode. Huh. But, uh... <laughs> he is the Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do think him and the Doctor flirt for like ten seconds, so it's like Spider-Man hit on the Doctor. <laughs> but, uh, that's also touched on in here... Uh, Daleks are mindless killing robots that say exterminate. Uh, so. They get touched and they were made because emotions are bad. And yeah. there are two different enemies in Doctor Who that are made because emotions are bad. But you're saying so. So, um, <laughs> on the subject of the Daleks before we get off of them. There was a show I liked that ran on Sci-Fi Channel uh, called The Six Million Dollar Man. And uh, one of my favorite episodes was about the Venus Death Probe. Uh, do you think they had a little bit of inspiration, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, just a little bit. Uh, let's see if I can 
also find it. Uh, but he has that. He also has the empty child. Okay, I kind of remember you talking about this thing. Uh, you pro- probably remember me talking about it last episode because it is what I went to in cosplayed uh, at Comic-Con. Okay, yeah. And if you're going to know anything, are you my mommy? Okay. It is that episode. We also get the introduction of Jack in this episode, uh, who later, hugely important character, hugely important companion, uh, later the star Torchwood. Oh, okay. So he is introduced in this episode as a time-traveling spinster that tries to sell things... Let's try to sell random things throughout the history of time, and okay. it goes into this thing of a little boy that asks, are you my mommy, and then touches you, and you grow a face mask, and you get broken <laughs> in the exact same way as the little boy does. Hmm. Once again, I don't want to give away spoilers. I believe it's the two-parter. Um, when I say episodes, episode, quote-unquote, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about are two parts, because... Some of the best episodes in the series are told over two parts. Yeah. What's the uh, gold robot man that I'm picturing in my head? Uh, Cyberman? Yeah, I think so. Or gold or silver? Yeah. The Cybermen, they are the other uh, enemy that was created because emotions suck. Okay. But they, I think the Daleks are created by an alien as Cybermen were created by a evil scientist. Gotcha, okay. They do get a face-off in a kind of little fun episode where you get the little banter back and forth because they're basically almost the same thing. Yeah. And uh, you do get, like I said, the little fun banter of one of the Daleks and their delete. So that delete, 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 that's the Cybermen. And you do get uh, the little fun banter back and forth between Cybermen and Daleks of... <laughs> The Cybermen will delete all Daleks. They are superior. (laughs) The Dalek replying, the only thing Cybermen are superior in is dying. (laughs) That's pretty funny. And that's definitely a fun episode uh, to bring us up to David's heir. So David. David Tennant, uh, probably the most important of the modern Doctors. Because he's more or less the one that brought in the younger crowd. He brought right. energy to the Doctor that a lot of people hadn't seen. A lot of people's first introduction into the Doctor was through David. David is basically the reason that it's still going. Yeah, I can believe that. That seemed like it was a popular season. It's a yeah. name I've seen around a lot. And so he brought it into up there with Russell T. Davies. Uh, David does have my, again, favorite two episodes... Uh, dealing with the family blood. Okay. These are two quite tragic episodes, and that's sort of one of the things you'll find a lot with Doctor Who is it does comedy very well, it does action very well, it does tragedy very well. And one of the overarching themes throughout Doctor Who is essentially that the Doctor is kind of a god that wants to be human, and that is why he protects humanity, even though... Humanity itself, as he says, are the great survivors. I think uh, a lot of people in the space reply to us as like cockroaches because no matter how many times they try and kill us off, no matter what happens, 
humanity survives. Humanity always finds a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So, I know that, like, every season there's a different person, but are they all still the same character, though? Just in a different body? Kind of. Okay. So, they have the same memories, but that's about it. Alright. When you reincarnate, you reincarnate to a different person. Okay. So, like, Quantum Leap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a little bit, kind of. No. <laughs> Bill and Ted's Great Adventure should be called Bill and Ted's Great Ripoff. Now, uh, uh, when the Doctor regenerates each season, and it's not every season, it's about every two or three. Yeah. I think two seasons is currently the standard set by David, because like I said, Chris made it one, and maybe two or three, I'm trying to remember, but David makes it two, plus some episodes, Matt makes it two, uh, uh, forgive me. My mind blanks on who is after Matt. Before feel, we get to... I feel like his season lasted a while because I remember the material on the internet. It lasted a while. And being also his face Peter, for a while. Peter takes it. Okay. A lot of these have breaks in them. All right, yeah, that, that and so sense. like a lot of times we'll have like a year and a half break in between and that's one of the things that also extends it. Yeah. And uh, so Peter is next. Forgive me. And then we get up to Jody, the first female doctor. Uh, I bet everyone liked that. It actually primarily was, and that's actually something that Stephen Moffat, who the showrunner that was leaving at the time, mm. kind of pointed out, is it had an 80% acceptance. Because oh, a good. lot of Doctor Who fans were saying, it's less the doctor we're more interested in than the new showrunner. Okay. And forgive me, I'm sorry, people. I've been a very bad Whovian. I have... The rest of her season on my DVR. I only saw her first two episodes, which... The first two episodes of every single time on Doctor Who, you don't really get a chance to see. You get some of the Doctor's character, and so we got some of Jodie's. Yeah. More reliance on her companions, some of Jodie's. I'm doing this by myself thing. But you primarily just sort of see them in a mad sprint for usually the first two or three episodes. Yeah. And so I can't talk much about Jody yet because I don't know much about her. They're sitting on my DVR just <laughs> haven't got around to watching them because I also haven't got around to finishing Peter <laughs> three episodes away or four episodes yeah. away from. Well, I'm glad that people were cool with her. Yeah, and that's sort of a joke he made uh, two years ago, actually. Not this Comic-Con, but last Comic-Con when he was getting interviewed is 80% accepted it, 20% are just people that live in their basement. <laughs> yeah. It usually is. And uh, the new showrunners are also a thing that happens in between each Doctor sometimes. So Russell T. Davies had two. He had Chris and he had uh, David. Okay. As I said before, both are good. Uh, Pulling up some more info. Russell T. Davies had a tendency to keep the show very grounded in London or the small town that they were outside of London. So they would go into space for two episodes, but they'd always come back to Earth, and they would always do things on Earth. And that was sort of his weakness. Uh, Moffat takes Matt and Peter, and so uh, he takes the show back out into exploration, 
back out into space. Has a lot of fun with it, but the only issue that I have with Moffat is... Uh, one of the things about David is David gets a lot of one-shot, basically. Okay. This is fun. Let's go have an adventure type thing. Yeah, a lot of one-off episodes. So, yeah. Where uh, Stephen Moffat doesn't... Everything means something. Everything's connected. Everything's moving forward. A lot of world building. A lot of world building. And it does sort of grind. And you do start seeing these one-off, let's have fun episodes with Peter. And it's kind of one of the things that Peter wasn't doing bad, but his very first season, for me, watching Peter, one of the things about it was that watching it going, man, this would have been a lot of fun to see Matt do this. Yeah. Man, this would have been a lot of cool to see Matt do this because you're actually having adventures compared to Matt where, you know, one of the episodes, dinosaurs on the spaceship. <laughs> That's a fun episode. That there sounds things, like fun. And then they kill the dinosaurs in the end, and you're like, that kind of sums up, I think. <laughs> Stephen Moffat in a nutshell right there is everything serious, everything moving forward. <laughs> you don't kill the dinosaurs when they're on the spaceship. That's only going to give you more fun. Yes. Uh, get back to it. Family Blood. As I said, are probably the two greatest or the two best episodes in the series that he has. It's the biggest exploration where they are actually a beginning history enemies from the novel. I didn't know that actually. Oh, that's cool. Until I watched a video that brought it up, because Doctor Who novels and the Doctor Who radio show run in between the seasons. And there are some comics, too. Nice. By IDF, I believe, has the rights right now. Oh, IDW? IDW, yeah. Yeah, they do good work. They do. Um, so, we see these enemies from the novels for the first time. They're after the Doctor, and he has to become mortal. He has to become human. Which you can, as a Dalek, or as a Time Lord, become human by putting your power into a stopwatch. I hmm. believe that's part of the older series I believe that was first brought up but the first time as a modern fan I see it it's these two episodes and essentially it's what happens when the doctor forgets he's the doctor and starts becoming the human and so you get a lot of great tragedy in this episode of the doctor having to go back to being the doctor whether or not he wants to be and that is the main focal point and it also ends with something that we don't see very often. And when we do see it, it has a tendency to be some of the best in the series. The Doctor being mad. The Doctor being cruel. And that was sort of one of the things with Chris is... Chris was angry. He had just left. He's the last Time Lord left on Earth. He's the last one. He had to blow up his planet. Chris is, well, angry about it. And so Chris has an anger that neither that Tenet and Matt don't really have, except on occasion, and this is probably the angriest, and we get to see him be cruel okay. and punish people. And it's a really cool and interesting scene to see. Uh, I have seen him described as... Forgive us for a moment. Sorry about that, we're back. Hey, hey. We came back. Yes, we did. So, uh, talking a little bit more... Family Blood's a fantastic episode. Uh, David Tennant has quite a few good ones. Uh, Blink is where a lot of people show their friends. 
to kind of show this is what Doctor Who can be like. So Blink is the Weeping Angels. Okay, I do know these things too. <laughs> yeah, so a statue that you look at. Yeah. And that if you look away from it... It makes you dead. Yes. <laughs> well, actually, technically, no. It takes whatever time you have left and then sends you back in time. Oh. That's less bad. But Except, also... Except uh, there's a later episode with Matt where they lose the ability to do that, so they just make you dead. But <laughs> it's a special occasion where they just snap your neck. But yeah. <laughs> and so that's sort of the part of the fun of Blink is watching these characters just randomly get sent back in time. <laughs> <laughs> this time we'll just kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, it does have the most famous, I think, this time we'll just kill you, where it has the security camera thing of... If you've ever seen the two photos of people like changing their background, and it shows like the weeping angel on a camera, and then changes back, and it's just a weeping angel staring into the camera. Mm. No, but that sounds funny. <laughs> it's also one of the few times that you actually see the doctor fire a gun in the show, but uh, he, it's spoiler, but <laughs> <laughs> spoiler, Dan. But uh, there, like I said. He has a lot of good ones. Blink is there. Uh, I'm trying to think of his other ones. It's been a minute since I've watched David's seasons of the show. Yeah. Uh, Satan Pit. Physically meeting Satan. Out in outer space as a giant planet. That's a fun one and cool one. Uh, what else does he have? Shakespeare Code is fun. Them going back in time and meeting Shakespeare. Oh yeah, that seems, again, somewhat educational. Yes. Uh, Gridlock, which has probably the line that one day I want to put on my gravestone. Which is he's jumping in between cars and just goes... You are completely and utterly, he is completely and utterly insane. <laughs> and yet, somehow, he is slightly brilliant, too. <laughs> That's another fun one. Uh, Redlock. Evolution of Daleks, and that's the one I was saying with Andrew Garfield and the human Daleks. And, yeah. The Sound of Drums, uh, bringing back the Master, which was an old-school villain. Uh, Anything that just brings back things is always fun. It is. Then he, of course, ends the three knocks. He gets, unfortunately, an episode that we're probably going to have to go and I'll probably have you watch and we'll go into greater detail later. But, okay. Uh, Water on Mars. Some people mm -hmm. like it. It has an ending that is aged unimaginably poorly. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> and so, moving on to Matt... Uh, Matt starts out right away a whole lot funner, a whole lot more quick pace. because the biggest thing about Matt is for a lot of people that are used to American, I tell them the start of Matt because Matt is shot American television style. Okay. He's shot closer to an hour drama where uh, both Peter and David are shot British, so longer angles, more people talking, things like that that are weirder. Yeah. If you've never watched a British show, 
then you're staring at these going, why are they using that angle? Why are they <laughs> making things so dark? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Because you're watching the BBC. Yes. <laughs> and so Matt, I think, is when David had gotten so popular that they brought Matt over, and Matt was the first one that got a simultaneous release. So it aired the same time in America as it did in England. Oh, nice. And so we had that fun... And so because of that, they upped the production value. Matt had a tedious job of keeping people watching, because like I said, David brought people in. Matt was the one that had to keep people watching. And so he's more energetic. He starts off right off the crack in the wall. Uh, one of the things, uh, he's more drawn towards children, but that also never gets brought back up, so it's kind of weird. Okay. The first three or four episodes really focus on it, and then just... Dropped. So that's kind of Steven's thing. Yeah, he's a friend to all the kids. Okay, now he's not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Crack the Wall is a fantastic episode, and uh, I forgot to say one thing about Chris is that unfortunately, it starts with one of the worst episodes of the series. Oh. Living Plastic is a terrible episode. How fun. Uh, the. New Earth or Blowing Up on Earth, the second episode is a way better <laughs> pilot, so if you're <laughs> going to start Chris, I'd watch the second episode and then watch the first. You're not missing much other than just who Rose is. Oh, and, is that where she's from? Yes, so okay. Rose is the very first companion. Yeah, I remember this character for yes. some reason. <laughs> the character who gets left on a beach. No, uh, we start out with Amy. I know this one too. <laughs> Amy's a bit more fun uh, than Rose. She has a tendency to kind of fight back against the Doctor, has a tendency to scream at the Doctor for random things. Again, we get the fun of <coughs> him putting on the bow tie, him keeping the clothes. Uh, one of the biggest things, I think, is the ending of the pilot, Cracked in the Wall, where he gets rid of the alien threat and then calls the alien threat back. <laughs> And it's something that's really weird for the Doctor to do. And he basically tells the alien threat and goes, is this planet protected? And then uh, it shows all the different faces the Doctor has had. And it pauses on David and Matt walks through David's face as a projection. And just goes, I'm the Doctor. This planet is still protected. Don't ever come back again. And then sends the aliens flying off. Hmm. Which is something he later gets to do again. That's pretty and, cool. And uh, Pandora opens another fantastic episode. But to me, his best is probably not going to be surprising to a lot of people. Home is also the name of his best episode. <laughs> it's just like the X-Files episode, too. It's real weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of, no. <laughs> uh, let me make sure that I got that correct. But It is Neil Gaiman. Oh, good old Neil Gaiman. Yep. He is the one that wrote it. And they have a lot of fun with it. Not so much fun as much as it deals with something that you don't really think about. Okay. Which is the Doctor has his companions. Amy and Rory in the case of Matt. Rose and various other ones through David. The Rose and Martha. And Donna are the three main through David. Uh, Rose is with Chris. 
the companions are just important in the show, and actually the show used to focus primarily on the companions because they were two school teachers, as they said, educational. But he flies around in the TARDIS. Yeah. And it's not something you normally think about. And so the TARDIS itself is a character, though. Yes. And it is one of the very first episodes of Doctor Who. I hear it's larger on the inside. Than it is on the outside that we do get to see. Uh, actually, forgive me. So the name of the first episode is The 11th Hour. Not cracking the wall. But that we do get to see them talk about the TARDIS and turn the TARDIS into a character. And it's one of the, once again, a great fun little adventure with a tragic ending that again has one of the best tragic endings in the show okay but again this is something that we're definitely going to get into later yeah I have some Doctor Who related ephemera I can bring up yeah literally the only Doctor Who related thing I know other than tertiary things about characters which is in November 22nd of 1987, there was an episode of Doctor Who airing on WGN in Chicago. Uh, the PBS affiliate WTTW, uh, which was their Channel 11, and WGN-TV ta- Channel 9. So I guess um, they must have had a similar frequency. But at any rate, let me see what episode it was. It was the episode Horror of Fang Rock. And uh, viewers got us a little something extra during their viewing of that because a man in a Max Headroom mask uh, suddenly appeared on their television sets. Out of nowhere, was not a part of the TV show on either one that they were watching. Uh, Basically proclaims the intrusion as a masterpiece for all the greatest world newspaper news uh, blah, greatest world newspaper nerds, which is a reference to WGN's call letters which was st- standing for world's greatest newspaper um, this was an incident that made national headlines and is one of the primary big examples of a television broadcast signal intrusion uh, The it's if you've never seen it it's all on YouTube. It's pretty weird and kind of haunting to watch. <laughs> um, if you're watching the WGN version, uh, it was during highlights of a Chicago Bears versus Detroit Lions game. And I believe I've seen the Doctor Who version where it just sort of interrupts the episode. <laughs> and you're right, it does look like it was one of the stage play style episodes because I remember like not knowing what it was initially. And I'm like, what was this? Um, let's see. Says the sports anchor Dan Roan, after seeing it, says, Well, if you're wondering what's happened, so am I. <laughs> and, uh, see if we got any other details. Spoken a lot of catchphrases, like for New Coke, catch the wave while holding a Pepsi can for some reason. <laughs> Max Headroom was a Pepsi spokesperson. Um, okay, uh, one quick aside. Yeah. Uh, forgive me. It's the doctor's wife, not home. That's the name of the episode. But. Okay. Uh, I believe it, he is bare butt spanked with a fly swatter. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, 
a lot of weird stuff that just happens. We'll never have the context for it because it's only 90 seconds. Um, they believe they managed to get in using the Sears Tower um, antenna. And yeah, uh, it happened real quick and <laughs> nobody was ever caught or has ever claimed responsibility. Uh, they thought that at one point they had found the ind one of the individuals who was there for it, but you know, it's Reddit, so there's no real credib credibility to it one way or the other. But, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. There was a crazy live hack that happened during an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Let's say it's a very famous incident of one of these live people point as one of the greatest mysteries of all time is who did it. And it's like, they never really did much other than just that random video. Yep, that was it. <laughs> I guess we can jump forward a little bit, and we'll have a later episode that talks a whole lot more about it, Doctor Who, at some point in time. To jump forward to Peter, just so I can finish off yeah. all three of the Doctors that I've watched. The Witch is Familiar, uh, us going back in time to look at, or not back in time, but the Doctor gets pulled into the Daleks' home planets because Daleks have managed to come back and repopulate at this point in time. Okay. To meet with the head Dalek, uh, who... They have on and off. He has died, come back, died, come back, on and off throughout the series. And it's one of the things about Peter is Peter is... His season didn't quite work. Uh, you can tell Stephen F. Moffat tried to take it back to its origins and focus it more on Clara and the Doctor. And so be more of the companion, but it just it didn't quite work that yeah. the companion was never able to really pull it off. Uh, Clara worked as a character the Doctor worked as a character and one of the biggest things about Peter is Peter is probably the biggest actor actor mm -hmm. that they've ever had and so this episode is just him sitting there talking with the head of the Daleks back and forth for 20-30 minutes while Clara and Missy uh, another character just go on their adventure and that's the thing is Peter is one of the best more actor actors that they've ever had for the series, at least modern day. Acting. Yes, and so he ends up just sort of drawing you in. And that is his thing, is I'm more interested in watching him have the discussions back and forth than I am in the actual episode and the rest of it. And that is the thing, is I almost wanted Peter to be by himself because he's shown... His shining moments were always when he was by himself, when you gave him a speech, or if you just pointed the camera at him and said, go. Yeah. And that has sort of always been Peter's shining moments in there. But as I said, uh, I unfortunately can't talk about Jody because I haven't watched most Jody yet. I've heard good things, I've heard bad things, but... Alright. Well, I look forward to hearing about it when you do. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Um, that's about all I got on Doctor Who's. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Also, he was saying that uh, if you want to look it up, the second season of MacGyver, if you type it in, MacGyver Dalek also has their own Dalek in it, <laughs> where MacGyver has to break into a factory. He's hired to see if he can break into this high-tech factory. And accidentally, and... accidentally like, somehow they have a killer robot in it. Yeah. But... <laughs> There's a Dalek in it. There's a Dalek in that episode. 
But, yeah. Um, These are definitely two of our favorite shows. Two of our favorite sci-fi shows out there. Faux show. Um, we'll shorten the shield zone to just, hey, um, do you want to keep supporting us? Uh, definitely, if you want to, sign up for... Ah, I can't talk. Sign up on our Patreon, patreon.com slash r dash. No, that's wrong. Patreon.com slash Raging Robot Partycast. I was mixing up the two links. And check us out on there. Um, we will get some cool swag headed your way if you do. Uh, special thanks, as always, to our patrons, Ty, William, and Claire. And uh we still have our merch shop at redbubble um redbubble.com slash r dash r dash party cast um i'm gonna while i'm thinking check to see if we have any mail this week since we did last and that was unexpected <laughs> all right hold on just one second all right so do we get any emails we might uh let's see um Oh, let me just check our spam folder. Dear friend, I am Miss Amina Katie. I'm sending... Wait, wait, wait. Let's start over. I am Miss Amina Katie. Am sending this brief letter to solicit your partnership to transfer 5.5 million US dollars. I shall send you more information and procedures when I receive positive response from you. Um... Well, cool. Our show's paid for for a while. Let's just write back a positive response real quick. And, yes. uh, yeah. That'll All definitely right. book us uh, the situation. <laughs> I don't think that ever got brought up on the show. I actually reached out to Mike the Situation Sorrentino's uh, PR person to see if he would come on our show when he gets out of prison. <laughs> Did they say anything? Not yet. Um, okay. I've been vigilantly watching my email, but I just thought that would be a out there and funny thing to have and I legitimately um, take him into consideration when I'm at my therapy sessions because if I ever get down on myself I remember well this dude is now the least toxic person on this cast <laughs> and uh, if that man can change so can I <laughs> alright on that positive note <laughs>